Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. Hey, everybody. We beat Oman 4-0 in St. Paul last night. Another pretty tepid crowd on a weeknight in the Midwest, the Great North, as they say in Minnesota. But a lot of fun at the ballpark, wouldn't you say, Greg? I would say that. I would say uh, I enjoyed watching uh, the team that I cheer for a lot, uh, and they're very good players, do soccer things. They did a lot of soccer things. I think you're, I'm guessing your view is that it wasn't all that different from the Uzbekistan game in that uh, sense? So, I mean, I, I think it was different. I think it was quite a bit different. I just think the things that were different aren't things that had me uh, terribly worried during the Uzbekistan game. Uh, or, or like super, uh, <laughs> I'm not getting ahead of myself either about this Oman game. I think, uh, on, on y'all's, uh, Monday review, Vince said it, he said, you know, the cliche is it's never as bad as it seems. It's never as good as it seems. If you're the person actually saying that in the moment, you end up being a contrarian on both days yeah. <laughs> to the, to the ebb and flow of the conversation. Uh, but I think that's where I land after these games. Again, Uzbekistan and Oman are not very good teams, uh, in the context of where we are trying to get to as a program. So uh, the, I think the results match it. And I think the performance was improved uh, against Oman. And it was, uh, well, you know, we'll get into sort of the, the I, I feel like we had ended up with a bolted list on the Discord of some of the things that were different. We could either do that now or we can do it as we go along. Yeah, let's go through the list. Okay, well, the, the very first thing was uh, something that happened even before the game. And that was the uh, lineup being dropped. And we see Malik Tillman's name on the list. And I'm, I'm saying, I feel like we heard Wes say Malik or somebody said Wes said Malik. So now we can, we're free to go back and forth now again between Malik and Malik. Uh, but sure. Ma- Malik being on the 11, like I think changed everybody's mood going into the game, which I think changes like the way you experience the game and things that would be frustrating if the p- player you wanted on the field happened. Like you're not as frustrated because, oh, these are the guys we wanted to see. So if things go wrong. That's all right. It's the right players, at least. So I feel like that changed the uh, the narrative surrounding everything Definitely. Um, for the better. Uh, and then for me, the actual most important thing here is uh, Oman's defensive shape and structure versus Uzbekistan. And Uzbekistan, as Vince noted several times, doesn't ship a lot of goals because their whole modus operandi is the 5-4-1, pack it in, like deep block, gum things up and just be hard to score against. And they're committed to that. And they, they showed that. And so that, that is not a very uh, good scenario for like aesthetically pleasing, free flowing, attacking soccer. Right. Uh, And that's what we got um, in that Uzbekistan game. Oman is totally different. They're running this four, four, two diamond where, you know, the two forwards aren't always particularly committed to defending the uh, furthest player in the diamond, not always particularly committed to defending tons of space and, and then even their back lines weren't super disciplined and we pulled some of these videos from them from their previous couple of matches to show like they get stretched and you have players in each line who will kind of freelance and go chase the ball somewhere and pull themselves totally out of position and when that happens tons of space to attack into uh, i mean just their natural uh, narrowness opened up all those big sexy switches from McKenney to the weak side player and it's just that's just more fun to watch. So mm-hmm. it's not even like, you know, better or worse. I just think it's a better viewing experience. It's uh, not something that we can control like that, that Greg Burhalter can control. Right. Burhalter or the players, you can't just choose to drop six goals on that deep block against Uzbekistan. Like that's 
that you can't just pick the tactics that do that. There aren't necessarily those tactics. Um, but doesn't mean that you can't focus and play better soccer. And that was another big difference between these two games was in this one, zero of the full on whoopsies uh, that led to Uzbekistan's really good chances that we were a bit lucky they didn't convert on uh, ask Mexico. And then also in the, in this uh, game yesterday, way fewer, even of the little whoopsies that were just like nothing mistakes that we made over and over and over again to just uh, blow up our own attacks. Yeah. Dest, I would say Dest and Wea were in perfect rhythm as they often are. Uh, well, perfect is a is a pretty sweeping word, but very good rhythm. Uh, but also, Wes and Eunice were in were quite a bit in rhythm as well. And Malik had some moments of in rhythm, some moments of out of rhythm, but also provided uh, some harmony in there. And Lund, I thought Lund too. Uh, he was a player who who fit into the game well. I thought. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he didn't just he didn't just sort of like disappear, and not make mistakes. Like he was he was contributing. He was adding. Yeah. Uh, with some simple stuff, but that's what you—that's what you're hoping for out of a guy who's stepping in for Jedi. And then even uh, Christian Pulisic upgraded from like a really rough game against Uzbekistan to a quiet game against Oman. So that was nice, nice to see. <laughs> I still think it was pretty rough from <laughs> CP10, but he did have some good moments. You asked you asked earlier this morning what were his top three moments of the game, and uh, I think we kind of agree on what they were, or they were, were a two out of three at least. Um, I would say it was one, the ball that he whipped into Wea that Wea um, very sneakily chicken, wing. <laughs> chicken winged into the upper 90. And then uh, the time where he backboarded with Balligan and then made a run into the, I mean, he was wide open for either a pass on the ground or a clipped ball over the, over the back line. And Malik Tillman didn't even consider passing him the ball. I thought that was nice. And then he also found Malik in the box found Malik's feet so he's over there he's over there squaring up his defender on the left wing this is right before the half sometimes he'll just bang it off the guy's shins in that case but in this case he was patient and he found Malik's feet in a in a more dangerous spot it didn't come to anything but those would be my three top moments for Pulisic yeah and and if those are your three top moments then again it's a pretty quiet half he played 45 uh there he's he's maybe already got one one foot back in one foot back in Milan Hopefully, hopefully he gets uh, to start this weekend. It doesn't seem super likely. AC Milan play. I, we'll get back to your list, but just a second. AC Milan plays Inter Inter Milan this weekend. The Derby, the Derby, and uh, do we have to say it Derby if it's in Italy? No, it's a. I'm not even going to try to do an Italian accent. I was I was about to try to do an Italian accent, but I'm going to save that until I've had time to hone it. Good, 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 good. So what are the other reasons that made it uh, more pleasant than the Uzbekistan game? It would have been a super offensive accent. I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> that that pretty That's pretty much it. Like for me, that was pretty much it. Like I don't, I didn't get the whole like uh, skies falling stuff or the Berhalter balls back stuff about the Uzbekistan game. And, and I don't think that this game is like now we're cooking. Now that we played a 10, we're, we're on fire. We're unstoppable. Uh, it was, these were just two um, pedestrian opponents and we handled them pretty comfortably uh and we got to see some some of our good players do cool things that's that's where i'm at i guess you know berhalter mentioned in the post game that oman was missing their best player i think um and uh because you know oman split the series with japan and world cup qualifying um so they're not like nobody nobody but yeah they didn't look very good in this game 
Yeah, they, they beat Japan. Uh, this is almost like two and a half years ago now, I think, to open up their <laughs> qualifying ago, campaign. Yeah. And then I know people were pointing to like how close they were to the playoff spot out of Asia. Uh, but I mean, they kind of weren't like uh, they, they tied a game against Australia that eliminated them with several games remaining in the in the qualifying season. And then they won their last two games and Australia lost their last two games when those results weren't going to do anything. To uh, Australia. So it was like they made up a lot of ground when the, when there was no way to actually make up all of the ground. I see. I mean, who, who really cares? But uh, no, Oman just lost to Uzbekistan 3-0 in one of their uh, last competitive games. They're not, they're not a particularly strong team. I don't think there's any way around it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the other thing is the, the friendlies, you know, there is a lot of angst about why would we schedule friendlies against such weak opponents. It's something I had forgotten about until I saw Bob Morocco mention it, but I, I remember it happening now, is uh, you know Doug McIntyre from Fox saying we had Brazil and Argentina scheduled for this window, but then Common Ball changed their World Cup qualifying schedule, which uh, made it so Brazil and Argentina couldn't play us in this window. And then by that time... You know, the options were somewhat limited. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable non-shilling for USSF reason <laughs> to not feel too bad about these opponents. It's just what we got stuck with. And um, we beat them 7-0 to zero over two games. I think we learned some stuff, which we'll try to get into in another episode tomorrow for patrons. But oh, we'll get into it today, too. But that's that's one other note. And as you alluded to, one other thing, as you alluded to, Mexico lost, or not didn't lose, but it fe- feels like a loss, I think, probably for the nation of Mexico. They drew Uzbekistan uh, yesterday in Atlanta at the same time uh, as our game was going on, or a little bit earlier, which is just very uh, satisfying to see. <laughs> yeah, they, they tied Uzbekistan. And, and again, that's the reason Mexico is playing Uzbekistan is probably for the same reason we are. I think they... The rumors about that Argentina, I remember hearing those rumors a long time before McIntyre dropped that there was actually, you know, a concrete plan. And the rumor was always Mexico and the U.S. were both going to play Argentina, you know, because that's a that'd, right. that'd be a pretty, pretty swell window. Uh, so when that falls through, Mexico is in the same boat, I'm guessing. And that's how they end up also playing Uzbekistan, because uh, I doubt that was something that they were strongly pursuing 10 months ago. Uh, but yeah, it's nice to see. It's nice to see like Mexico in that uh flailing mode i'm enjoying it uh <laughs> I, I don't want to forget that we definitely could have been there you know from the based on the quality of our play uh as much as it's like not it wasn't worrying uh it was definitely possible that uzbekistan could have capitalized on some of our nonsense and turn right. that into a 1-1 game yeah good to see our center backs play pretty a pretty much mistake free game and um and look really really dominant again against a weak opponent I want to, you know, we were, we were super hard on St. Louis ahead of the, um, after the, after that game for the crowd. And I think St. Paul is probably in roughly the same category, three fourths full stadium. So that'd be a one fourth empty stadium. uh, Just in case. I thought it was kind of interesting to hear Burhalter get asked about the crowd in the press conference. Here's what he said. Uh, Greg, you've been very complimentary of the environment here in Minnesota. Yeah. What do you feel about it tonight? You know, I think that, um, again, the, the crowd that was here was was boisterous and supportive and pro-USA, and, and this is a fantastic place to play, an amazing stadium, um, you know, great pitch, great locker rooms, great facilities. So, you know, we love coming here, and we hope the fans appreciate us. The crowd that was here <laughs> was boisterous. 
Very well chosen words from the the Gipper. Should we do the lineups? I got I got some other Burhalter clips, but they they kind of fit in with uh, player discussion later. Yeah, let's run through the lineups. I feel like we're gonna do do this game in less time than than it took us to do the Uzbekistan game. Hopefully, hopefully, um, Horvath in goal. Obviously, because Turner uh, went home. Uh, I don't know if he went home, but he's he left camp to be there, be present for the birth of his daughter. Uh, Dest, Robinson, Richards, and Lund across the back line. Reem gets a little rest. He was he was on the bench, but so he didn't head back to Fulham. But he's he didn't play. And then Lund gets his first start as a as a U.S. international. Um, the Danish American dual net. Uh, got a little bit of time against Uzbekistan, but we got a, we got a much better look at him today or y- yesterday. And then Musa and McKenney and Tillman in the midfield, what we'd been many of us had been calling for. Uh, and then Wea, Balogun, and Pulisic across the front line. I was happy with the lineup. Pretty fun lineup, right? Uh, I mean, I think maybe we were hoping for Paredes uh, over Lund, but it was it's one of those just. Uh, it's it's just a curiosity with Paredes. I'm I'm certainly not like we need to we need Paredes in there. He's he's the next man up for left back. I was kind of hoping for Paredes over Lund, but I'm going to pretend that I wasn't now that Lund <laughs> now that Lund was looked pretty good, and then Paredes came on and you know he was fine, uh, but I think uh, in retrospect Lund was probably the right choice. Oman. Was like you said in a four four two diamond. I'll read the last names: Al Mukani, Al Mukaini in goal, uh, Al Yamadi, Al Braiki, Al Kamisi, and Al Kabi across the back line uh, from right to left. And then the diamond was Al Sadi uh, as the deepest lying midfielder, and then Al Balushi and Al Agbari as the two eights, I guess you'd say, and then Fawaz. As the as the number ten, and then Al Ghassani and Al Sabi as the strikers. We're not going to talk a ton about the Om- Omani players, so you're just going to have to live with that lineup, guys. <laughs> to the timeline, Oman on the front foot right at the very beginning. I was a little surprised at how uh, how much uh, verve they came out with, and how we were kind of we were kind of put on the back foot. And then at the end of that, I would say it was about a four-minute stretch from kickoff to their chance where Dest gets beaten on the left. Um, there's a cross, and it's headed away by Richards. So he's beaten enough for the guy to get a left-footed cross off. Richards heads it away, but number two, um, Abelushi, one of the midfielders, gathers it and rips it well wide on the volley with his left foot. It's a real chance, though, right? I mean, this is... This isn't like a prayer. Uh, he's he's no. got it with time. He was able to size this thing up because uh, I, I don't. I'm not trying to put this on Malik Tillman, but Malik Tillman was super late in controlling the pitch where where number two was. So uh, you know, at, between the three center mids, uh, nobody was accounting for this pocket of space as that cross came in, and, and so yeah, so he totally got to uh, look at the goal, look at the ball, step into it, and and take his cut. Yeah. Lucky for us, it was about six yards wide, and um, and we shut it down from there. I thought that was the one part of the game where Oman looked good. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think uh, because we avoided any real any real uh, uh, huge mistakes to gift them chances, um, there wasn't another moment in the game where it was like, oh, we're in trouble here. 
Right. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's a half truth, but it was it. That's what it felt like. Let's get into the, some of the good stuff. Right at the five minute mark, a good work up the left from Lund, Pulisic, and Tillman. Pulisic finds Tillman in the pocket. Pulisic's on the sideline. He finds Tillman in a pocket. He and then Tillman turns and megs a guy to feed Pulisic to the end line. He whips it across and it's sent out of bounds. Um, I'm gonna just try to go fast through these. So j- so jump in and interrupt me whenever oh, sure. whenever it feels uh, like you need to. Uh, seventh minute. Uh, good Weston McKenney switch. So he was hitting these diagonal switches all all night and very accurately. He switches one um, to, I think it was to, what I actually don't remember if it was Way or Des, but it goes back to Tillman and he tries to fizz a low ball into the box and it actually just misses McKenney in the box. And I'm, I'm noting it because it was a cross and people were talking about us being really cross happy in the first half. And I didn't see that on the initial watch. On rewatch, you know, I would say there were probably five or six crosses in the first half. But most of what we were doing was this very intentional diagonal switch, usually from McKenney over to the other side, not across in my point from my point of view. And you're talking about you're talking about yesterday against Oman, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think Greg commented on it. I think that's that was the the uh, instruction would be for McKenney to like pick it up deep and then look for that big switch. Uh, and again, that's, that's exploiting Oman's narrower shape with the diamonds. So we draw the diamond to one side, um, hit the big switch to a, a player who would just be standing all alone and then sort of commence the attack from there. And we weren't always super clean. Once we did that, uh, I felt like we weren't, we didn't always have like the next three ideas down, Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it again. It's a good way to initiate an attack is to get a ball to a free Serginio Dest or Tim Weah uh, with a lot of open space to work with. Yeah, let's listen. Berhalter was asked about the role that Wes had in the game, and here's I think part of the question and the answer. Wondering, you know, where you you kind of cooked up Weston McKinney's role today because it seemed like it was a very unique role even for a unique player like him those those uh long diagonal balls just seem to be turning oman in in knots you know i guess the, the game plan was we know a diamond how, how they have to really commit to get to one side and they're going to put pressure so we wanted to purposely go to one side drag them over and then um you know we'd have two in midfield that they're attacking they would have a hard time dealing with we'd be able to switch the ball so you know, fortunately, it worked out a number of times. I, uh, you know, I'm a little bit critical. I think it could have been even better and, and more effective. But overall, you know, Weston was a key contributor to that. He saw the space and was able to take advantage of it. I was a little surprised to hear him be a little critical of how that switch was working. But I guess it, it squares with what you're saying about them, us not always having the ideas and the quickness when the ball came across. Maybe I think he also reading between the lines, maybe thought Wes wasn't quite fast enough in his decision-making because I mean, Wes had all kinds of time to work with and tee up those, uh, drives. Yeah. could have been. I'm, I, I mean, I was happy with it, but again, part of it's just because like, like I said in the beginning, the aesthetics of what we're doing here are just gorgeous. So, uh, we posted a bunch of those long diagonals in the discord, the clips. And it's like, as you can see, this one didn't lead to anything. <laughs> and we're saying that a bunch of times, but they just look real, real nice. So, yeah. Uh, you know, again, we, we get a precious few opportunities to watch this team play. I'm just going to enjoy the really nice aesthetics when I can. 
Yeah, somebody on Twitter said that that clipped ball with backspin. You know, there's something really beautiful about it. That's just straight as a straight as an arrow. Um, tenth minute, we get a, a good driven way a ball across after some uh, some interplay over on the right side. I'm noting this also because it's a, it's definitely a cross, and it was it was gonna you know Lund was arriving on it, and it was just saved from him uh, him latching onto it by a, a good header from number ten, the right back Yamadi Al Yamadi, uh, who just guided it out of bounds. And, and this is where I'd say uh, we we were still I think um, leaning into once we hit that big switch, like all right, I've got it, I've got it under control. Now I'm going to go ahead and hit a cross into the box. Uh, so I, one thing I want to ask Greg Berhalter, if we, if anyone is listening, who has access to him, uh, is what the, uh, what the team understands the meaning of for a set soft set cross. Did you see the Brendan comment? No, I didn't. Somebody had Brendo in between the games to ask him what they were working on. And he said that they were really working to like improve on their soft set crosses. And we couldn't figure out if that means crossing while the defense is not set yet. So they'd call it a soft set or if it means, uh, working back to the end line like Lund was doing and then setting it back to McKenney to then hit the cross. Uh, or if it meant uh, like that back post, uh, Nick Lima, cross, the, you know, that cross to the right back, like over over the danger area where no one's going to yep. score on it, but then you can square it back. Des right. almost had a assist on one of those. And, you know, we've seen that from this U.S. team quite a bit. So we were trying to figure out which, which kind of cross Brendo was referring to. Uh, so we're going to need somebody to ask that specifically at some point. Release the PowerPoint, Greg. <laughs> uh, we got our first goal off the off that overcross, if you want to call it that. Yep, and it's coming up very soon in the timeline. We, we get a good switch from Ballo to Dest and another good ball. This one from Dest is also a cross. It sails across the six. Pulisic's a bit too close to the defender to get to it, but there's that's three crosses in five minutes. All pretty dangerous, but definitely crosses. Um Maybe that's where the cross happy game plan narrative comes from, just from the, the when things come in bunches like that. Twelve minute mark, uh, a good pass from McKenney to Ballow. He tries to flick it out to Lund, but Pulisic is standing two yards away from Balogun and it bl- and blocks the pass. And I'm just I just mentioned this because I'm just increasingly of the opinion that Pulisic's side is the not fun one because of Pulisic. It's not just that he doesn't seem to play super well with others in combination. It's that when he receives the ball, even in this game, he's rarely like turning into the space behind him and asking questions of the defense. He, he Obviously, he wants to take people on with his feet on the chalk, but receiving in that pocket and, uh, and playing on the half turn, he didn't do it much in this game. He would take a big touch back towards, the, back towards Lund and then recycle it to you know Richards or maybe McKinney or Eunice. He does play hard and he gets up for big games and which this decidedly was not so i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to say anything crazy here but uh i am saying i think the harmony and fluidity that we see on the right side just probably isn't going to happen uh on the side where pulisic is that's probably that's probably correct right uh whatever whatever harmony we are going to get will come in those games where pulisic is actually dicing the guy up on the dribble and, and disorganizing the defense that way. So if he's not doing that in a game, uh, which he didn't in either of these two games, uh, you're not going to see it. Um, and, and when Tim Weah was on the left side occasionally in this game and, and against Uzbekistan, you saw the exact same Tim Weah things that you see on the right. Uh, he, he does them on the left flank as well. So 
I think I think that's probably true. I think it's just total totally different styles between those two players, and um, it it might even just be personal preference on which which kind you enjoy more. But uh, right. big Tim Weah guy over here. <laughs> All right, let's do the goal. Thirteenth minute. Uh, so much to love about this goal. It starts with a big tackle from Chris Richards just inside our half. He he kind of. Uh, hurls the ball up the right wing and it's it definitely a whoopsie from that Oman left back his name is Al-Kabi but uh, he kind of allows Weah to get in behind him with his with his initial touch on the ball so Weah gets in behind him and then he plays a cutback as he goes to ground and the ball slips all the way through Pulisic kind of slipped on the grass um, the ball was behind him anyway I don't know if he would have gotten to it and it and it trickles all the way through, and then McKenney does, um, you know, he's so he's so good with his body and leverage. He just he kind of like big brothers this other guy to get on the ball, a ball that he you know by rights maybe shouldn't have won, but he wins it. Um, and then he uh, he turns around and just switches the ball over to Tim Weah, who's back up on his feet. Wea just quietly and efficiently one touch lays it off for Dest, who's arriving at the top of the box. Dest takes a good shot on the half volley from the edge of the box. Hits it on frame, forces a, a save from the goalkeeper who sticks both hands up, but the the deflection falls straight to Fuller and Balligan, and he quickly side foots it in with his left foot, 1-0. Yeah, a lot to love about this. Uh, again, as a, as a fan of this U.S. team, uh, watching them do these things, uh, <laughs> That the way McKenney holds that holds that man up, or even almost like drives him three yards past the ball with his body uh, yeah. to then come back and get the ball. Um, that was when it most like sunk in. That, that yeah, this this Oman team. It reminded me of uh, the home qualifier against El Salvador, where both McKenney and Musa could do those kinds of things at will, where they would just hold on to the ball for however long they wanted, uh, and and just like you know, body two to three El Salvador players off one at a time until they did what they wanted with it. Uh, so loved that. Loved him just totally knowing what his uh, what his strength is here, and yeah. then the way I set, like the way I layoff is just so elegant. Like to, just watching Tim Wea manipulate his body and the ball is uh, just my favorite thing about this team right now. So you know, as this is floating up, it's a big floater. Uh, Wea is like approaching it as he's approaching it as though he's going to smash it on the volley, right? And this is what's so great is that he can disguise what he's going to do. Um, this well because his whole approach is I could swing through this if I wanted to and then at the last second he just changes what he's doing with his right leg to just clip it back ever so gently for Sergio Dest to run onto yeah. and and then the aesthetics of Dest stepping through it with a giant smash are great even the goalkeeper save here I enjoy it's got like that where he's getting like he gets moved by the balls it hits his hands and it like rotates his body uh, he should do better with where the rebound goes but uh yeah, just just perfect aesthetics all around on this goal. He he should tip it over the bar, right? I mean, that's what he should do. Yes, yeah. You don't want to you don't want to get your hands up above it where you paw it directly to the ground in front of the goal. That's that's not what they coach you to do. Yeah. I mean, Bal, Bal, credit to Balogun for being led on his feet and uh, ready to go with that finish. Um, seems like he deserves a goal from these two games, and he got it. Uh, 16th minute, a good ball from Lund kind of curled in behind for Ballo to run onto. So this was a, a little bright moment from Christopher Lund. Um, 
Ballo maybe could have flicked it over to Wea, arriving in in front of an empty goal, but maybe not. Maybe it was impossible. He tried. To, I think he tried to beat the keeper himself. Uh, it ends up over with Pulisic on the left. He beats his guy and whips that ball in at at Wea from the end line, and Wea uses his chicken wing, as you said it, to put it up put it up in the top corner, and then kind of looked around. He knew. I mean, of course he knew, uh, and it was called off justly, of course. It's a it's a sneaky good chance for Balogun, and it's a it's a great ball in from Lund, and again, it also kind of illustrates uh, the the difference between this Oman team uh, and Uzbekistan. But also, you know, something Greg talked about was uh, after Uzbekistan was after you beat the way a wave of pressure, and their their defense isn't set, like attack it right away. And so Oman was not set a lot of times, and I think we did a better job of attacking those spaces right away. So Lund hitting this curling ball. I mean, again, it's bad for Oman in that Lund is under no pressure whatsoever, and they still have a high line. And we have Wea and Balogun both trying to race in behind it. Uh, so, yeah, these are situations you're not going to be presented with all of the time. But when it's here in the game that you're playing, like, see if you can do it. Like, press your advantage. And and so this is a not a bad chance at all for Balogun to sneak in and just give this a little dink over the onrushing keeper into an empty net. And so we're not that far off here. Yeah, no, this was maybe not an example. I mean, maybe if you, if you agree with me that Balogun could have passed it to Wea, could have flicked it over to him and didn't, then maybe it is an example of it. But I did think we, we still have a lot of kinks to iron out in the final third. It seems like there's work to be done. There definitely is. Uh, and you know, we, I, I feel like most people understood that that wasn't going to be an overnight thing. You know, it couldn't just be like, okay, now we're going to get our patterns right. You know, the World Cup, we kind of m- muscled our way through with the, the group that we were super young. Uh, these guys are all breaking through and emerging at their club for the most part. Now, now that we're past that, everyone's just going to come in and start cooking right away. Uh, and that really wasn't ever going to be the case, but uh, it remains to be seen whether we get to that point, you know, over the next 10 months before the Copa. Right. And I think Balogun's presence, he's still very new to the team. That's a, that's a big thing we have to work out. And I, and uh, Berhalter said something to that effect. Let me play that. This is going to be a real short clip. I think we're still trying to figure out, um, you know, the best way to, to utilize Balo because we know he's, he's high quality. He made a number of good runs behind the back line today that we didn't pick up on. Um, so he's still integrating that side of it. Made a number of good runs behind the back line that we didn't pick up on. This, this was not one of them. Lund picked up on the run and he played him a, a you know, pretty good ball. But I guess we'll get into some more stuff about Ballo's runs being missed as we go. I want to say I love the left-footed passes from Chris Richards out to Lund. He could not do that four years ago. And they say humans never change, but here's an example of a human changing. He can play a left-footed pass very nicely. Who are your sources that say humans never change? Anonymous. Anonymous right. sources. Okay. Um, And then the other thing is... The cage match ability. I mean, you talked about it with Wes and that, you know, shielding that guy off. But the, the cage match ability of all three of our midfielders in this game, but especially Wes and Eunice, but Malik too, to some extent, when he, you know, when he puts his mind to it. Um, it is very, very, it's a very big deal that the way that they can control the space around them. And again, with Malik, the caveat, like when he puts his mind to it. Um, 
the the way they can they can win the ball and come away with it and come away with it in a positive way. Again, caveat of the opponent, but um, they they did that at the World Cup too. Yep, they did that at the World Cup, and we're we're still sitting hopefully soon on one Gio Reyna, uh, who is is not going to be out of place when it comes to uh, um, that kind of leverage and strength on the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty amped up for October. Um. Another great ball from Wes in the 27th minute over to Dest on the back post. He tries to redirect it across. I actually don't know what he was trying to do here. Was he trying to shoot maybe? No, he's squaring it. He's squaring okay. it. He's I thought for so. Sure. But, and yeah. he, had, he misses both the the two runners in front of goal, Malik and Tim. And uh, it goes you know just wide of the post. So it kind of looked like a shot. Uh, although I, I agree it very likely wasn't. Um, Ballo's arriving late at the penalty marker and he just stares daggers at Serge <laughs> for missing that opportunity. It turns out he was off Serge was offside anyway. So it was tight, but yeah. Uh there's just it's just too simple of a square. And the technique he's he goes for here is like the simple shape of the inside of your foot to just, you know, putt it up back across for the tap in for either of your teammates. Uh I for me, if Serge is shooting this then he's really going to let it be known and he's going to like go for again. Surgeon way are both these like aesthetic gods. Uh, he'd be going for something. He'd be putting on a show if you were shooting. He'd be swiveling and swinging the swinging his laces through it. That's what I think. Yeah. Eunice really being a cheat code out there, just shrugging people off, dribbling for as long as he wants, at least until he gets into the, like anywhere near zone 14 <laughs> and starts, and <laughs> starts to head off to the corner flag. Uh, I noticed in the 29th minute, 28-10, Wes gets it from Malik in the pocket. doesn't turn into space. I need a, I need a little more verticality from Wes there. Um, that's the 28-10 mark, Greg, if you're going to check my work. I am. Yeah, I, I do want to see this one. I know I had the, we had the Malik one coming up. Wes was in the pocket. He didn't... Um, I don't know that he had any clear options, but once he turned, things would start developing. No, I, I mean, I think you're right. And, and part of this is... Is like the same with the one Malik misses where maybe he had pools. Like part of it is just a volume thing. Like if you if we're are if we're finding people in those pockets a lot, there will be times where they fail to check their shoulder and they just aren't they don't have that three sixty awareness. And so you know the the quick layoff, the quick bounce back to a safe option that you can see is just going to happen sometimes. Uh, you, you know you want them to do the the more dangerous thing more often when they have the the option to turn and go, but. If you're if you're playing a team like this and you are constantly getting players in those pockets, uh, there will just be the times where they just haven't they they got a little lazy on uh, before they received it, aren't sure, and so they just bounce it back. Right, I think that's what happened here. Malik in the right at the thirty minute mark, uh, dinging Malik for not pressing the issue a bit. This is uh, this is when Pulisic, you know, takes a few dribbles from midfield, plays it straight on to Balogun. And then runs past Balogun, like almost brushes his shoulder as he runs towards the box. Balogun turns to his left and squares it for Malik, kind of at the top of zone 14. So in the middle of the field, uh, outside of the box. Malik just recycles it backwards when he has Pulisic making a run between two defenders into, uh, you know, I mean, a clipped ball over the top or a ball on the ground would work there. So did I already say that? I think I already did. You did earlier uh, when we were just discussing Pool Six uh, 
most memorable moments. So yeah, one of his memorable moments was being missed here. This one, <laughs> this one's more egregious if we're if we're ranking them than the than the West one we just talked about because like <laughs> Balo's doing all this work. Pulisic and Balo both are doing all this work, and like you can see the players they're drawing right. So you should have just that sort of math in your head of like four players over around Balo means I have the space. With with West, it was just kind of like a nothing play where it comes to him. And it wasn't like we disorganized Oman yet. Uh, here, Oman's disorganized. This is exactly the moment that we should be like, now can we spring it forward? Plus, Malik is is standing uh, side on. So he can see, I mean, he's looking right at all of Oman's numbers and should see like, and, and put it together that he's the one with the space to now exploit the, the advantage we've gained from Balo's work and drive it forward. Uh, and instead, first touch, like doesn't look anywhere and just pings it backwards. Yeah, it's frustrating. It, now, this could just be him sort of defaulting to that uh, game plan of being like, "Okay, ball comes to me. I set it for I set it for Wes or Musa in this case." It's like switch it, I guess. But no, this is this is just a miss from Malik, and it's not the end of the world. But uh, yeah, check it check it in the film room and be like, "You got to go here. This is where we got to press." Balligan, we have a screenshot of it here, and Balligan has four defenders within four or five yards of him he's drawn a lot of attention yeah and malik's got a 10 yard radius of zero players around him yeah or even moving towards him right uh 31st minute desk plays balligan's feet in the box from the right side and he turns with a guy on his back waltzes across the box just um totally in control here maybe a little too slowly maybe a little too casual and then uh plays it out to lund I think Balogun wanted to shoot and just realized he couldn't and then um, gives it to Lund and Lund tries to cut it back for somebody, but it, it finds nobody. Uh, this was right after the the Malik uh, casual uh, recycle, we'll call it. And yeah. and so again, this is how in control we were. So we, we lose that chance, but then can very quickly uh, get it out to Sergino Dest and who hits a really incisive pass. So this was a great example too of not going for just the the – aimless cross or, or any kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to say all our crosses were aimless, but uh, the decision from Dest to hit a nice incisive pass into Balo's feet and then continue his run to add another attacker into the box. Very pleasing to me. Yeah. Richards was dominant in the air against Oman miles too, but I just want to, I just want to point out Richards dominance because he hasn't always been so great in the air. Again, we'll see how dominant he is in the air against uh, Ghana and Germany. Yeah. Yeah. But here's, um, Berhalter was asked about Richards, and I think his answer was kind of interesting. What can he kind of bring from these national team performances to Crystal Palace when he does get those opportunities? I think confidence. Um, You know, he's got a, he's got, we believe in him. His teammates believe in him here, and that goes a long way. And um, maybe he can bring that confidence back um, to London and you know he's got to prove himself there and, and that's part of it I mean it, it's it's a tough business and you're in the Premier League the best league in the world and you know you, when you get an opportunity you, you got to take advantage of it and that's how it goes you know he's a guy we're really high on and we hope that um, you know he takes us back with him and, and really um, pushes to be a starter or when he gets his opportunity he'll have his fitness in him to, to be able to take advantage of it three center backs to contend with in, at Crystal Palace. It doesn't seem like a super hopeful situation, but boy, he looks good for the U.S. Yeah, we'll take it. If this is rusty, Chris Richards, we're, uh, we're doing okay. 
Uh, and I think Palace might, I think feel like one of their center backs was on international duty and had to like come off injured. I'm not, not celebrating anybody's injury, but there may be, there may be, uh, some minutes up for grabs and we'll see if Richards benefits from that. We'll see. Um, 33rd minute we get that night. It was like a set piece for us and uh, a hopeful cross from Pulisic. It kind of lands over with way and Wes. Wea does some some uh, some of the body contortion that you love so much. Um, it plays it over to Wes. Wes then plays a diagonal to Tillman on the back post, and he lays it off. I mean, this is where you see the quality of a Malik Tillman. He just lays it off perfectly for Miles Robinson. Like he had the quality to hit that pass to Pulisic earlier. He has the quality to do that in like multiple different ways. Um, which is why it's frustrating he didn't even consider it. But anyway, on this one, he, he played the little layoff for Miles Robinson, who was in the box because it was a set piece. And Miles you know, takes a respectable shot on frame, side foots it pretty hard, um, draws a good save from the keeper. Yeah, this is uh, this is just, again, going back to Wea's movement here. It's nothing special. It's it's like a completed pass. But just the economy of his motion, like the, the set piece had come in and gets headed out to him. And I just love... Uh, how he will just stand perfectly upright and still as the ball's approaching him <laughs> and, and like just stop it dead under his feet and then just like explode into some new movement, even if he doesn't go very far. Right. And then the economy of like driving that player like one step the other way and then just pirouetting without even touching the ball until he just pushes it over to West, which is again a really long winded of saying, w- long winded way of saying he connected a pass six <laughs> yards over. <laughs> Uh, right a horizontal pass (laughs) the the layoff from alex amazing uh like stops it dead uh like so that it dies directly in in front of miles robinson to to step into to allow that shot because if it doesn't come if he doesn't do that um then maybe miles robinson's shot from a center back doesn't uh look as good as it does so this was uh one of a couple of really good moments from from alex so um again this is what He's in there for, and it's what we needed to see to keep him his name sort of in the hat for the next couple of matches. He's in my hat. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely. Just real quick, a few more things from the first half. Wea gets a chance cutting in from the left after he gets sprung down the left wing by Wes. So he ended up on the left wing for a little while, and he rips it just wide of the near post. Seemed like the goalkeeper had it covered. So the half arrives. Let me just say right now, uh, we're going to do a kind of a window wrap-up for patrons tomorrow. Um, that'll go on the patron feed. If you want to become a patron, a patron of the scuff podcast, the link is in the show notes after the half Aronson's on for Pulisic. Pepe's on for Fuller and Balogun. Ballo came off in the first half, shaking his head. He did not want to come out of the game and, uh, you'll love to see it. So he's not buying, he's not buying the preseason, the no preseason. Cause that's the, that's the rationale Greg gave. So Ballo saying, no, I'm good. I could have gone. And then. And then I think Burhalter even said, like, we want to get Musa some minutes because he didn't have a preseason. <laughs> right. That's the reason. The reasons, the rationales are all over the place. They always have been, you know. Oh, yeah. That's that's like that's just coaching because you you always want to give like the softest rationale possible <laughs> to say, I'm just going to play the other guy. He's not getting Berhalter's not going to come out there and say, I feel really bad for not taking Pepe to the World Cup. So he's going <laughs> to play the second half of both of these friendlies. Um, and Pepe, you know, I think Pepe's, Pepe's earning his minutes at this point. It's hard to argue otherwise early in the half, a lovely little, I just have to note this one, a lovely little outside of the boot help along from Wes, uh, 
to Brendo, it's like a, it's a, the whole thing is vertical. So it's a pass into Wes's feet. He helps it without barely changing the trajectory of the, of the ball up to Brendo. And then Brendo turns um, his guy and they just cut right through him on. Then uh, Brendan overcooks the through ball for Wea, who is making a better version of the same run Pepe is making. <laughs> I just, I just want to stop here because this is this is really slick. Uh, the touch from Wea, or I'm sorry, the touch from Wes and the turn from Brendo are both fantastic. And then the through ball, we can we can it's overcooked, but but the whole thing we talked about in this game and the Uzbekistan the Uzbekistan match where we were just not even attempting this pass enough. Right. So it's like we talked about Brendo being the guy who is going to bring that frenetic energy. He's not going to like slow down at this point in his career and be like, let's recycle. Uh, the window's too small. Don't want to risk it. Let's keep possession. It's like, no, this is what you do. Like hit the pass, uh, hit it better next time or hit it better often enough to, to, to score some goals. But like, that's, this is what we want. We want these passes attempted. We want, uh, we want to see this a lot with Balgan in the game uh, from everyone else hitting these passes. So anyway, just this is what the pass looks like when it doesn't come off. Right. It wasn't overcooked by too much either. Just a little bit. Um, and yeah, I loved, I love that, uh, that impetus from Brendan 53 minute mark. Pepe gets a chance on a corner kick, heads it off the side netting. Pro- probably should have sent it back across, but he's, uh, he's hungry for goals. He's hungry for goals. Ricardo is, 58-minute mark, a nice find from West to Tillman in the middle of the field. And Tillman, this is another example of what Tillman offers. Just a nice nice play on the half turn from him. He he lets the ball roll between the two defenders who are bracketing him, and he eliminates them both. And then he passes it to uh, Aronson, who is running right at the box. And Aronson gets trucked over for a free kick. This is what we need to see from him, that idea of uh, how to take a pass and attack with it. You know, we, we've kind of nitpicked a couple of times where it came to him and he was conservative, but I don't think in general, I'm worried about Malik Tillman being like an overly conservative attacker. Right. The most, the much bigger worry is his, uh, is that early chance for Oman and his, his consciousness of the, of the danger that he needs to help corral as a, as a defender. That's a really self-important way of saying he just needs to <laughs> he just needs to find somebody and mark him. Um, yeah, as you know, Brennan Aronson hits the free kick right at the wall. It parts like the Red Sea. The ball is deflected um, through the through the gap off of one of the defenders in the wall, and then it wrongfoots the keeper who can't make a play as it travels right next to him into the goal. Kind of, I mean, if you're an Oman fan, you're not happy with this goal. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the union and I'm not, I'm not really trying to defend him too much. Like the, the slap, the slappery threw at it, uh, isn't, isn't great on the optics. Yeah. He did get wrong footed. I didn't think it was a deflection at first, but then I, you know, I was corrected on that. Thank goodness. Yeah. So it deflected, which, you know, if, if he had started moving and was already diving to his left and then watches it helplessly go to his right, maybe he'd have come off looking better. Uh, but the fact that it's still into his actual person <laughs> and he just kind of takes a takes a swing at it, gives it a high five on its way in. Yeah. So that's a goal, uh, 2-0, 63rd minute, a lovely little outside of the boot pass from Dest to Tillman. So Dest gets the ball on the right wing, dribbles across perpendicular to the, um, I don't know, parallel to the edge of the box. My one of my high school math teachers would be ashamed of me right now. Parallel to the top of the box, 
um, and then plays that little that clever little outside of the boot pass into Malik, who is making uh, a good run into the box. Malik gets down to the Man City zone and, and pulls a patient, precise cutback to Pepe right at the near post, and Pepe hits it off the side netting. I love everything about this, um, you know, except the finish. Could have done better, I think. Pepe could have. I mean, yeah, that is. It's true that since it didn't go into the goal, he could have done better. Where it does go into I'm the goal, glad we agree. but I've got, I got, you know, you know me. I've got no qualms on this. This is this is lovely stuff, uh, and it's what I want us to be doing when we're playing Oman. Right? Is to just carve them up. I don't care that it's Dest attacking three players. Like, don't cross it in. Like, attack your attack the four Oman players in the corner of the box and soccer through them. And we absolutely do it here. So great look for uh, for Pepe here, created by Malik Tillman. Um, you know, this this is it. This is the this is the audition, and this is what we need to see from these guys in their auditions. Yeah. So I guess as the timeline goes, Malik, the number of plus moments from Malik maybe is a little higher than I initially th- thought, than I initially calculated. But well, we'll get into that more tomorrow, I suppose. Yeah. Well, go ahead. But I'll just say, like, this is this is what I feel like we are looking for is a player who quietly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like sets up three chances and it does, it's not a big deal. Cause he just kind of does it so effortlessly when he does yeah. it. Uh, yeah. that's what we're after, you know, and maybe you just don't realize it and appreciate it while you're watching it. But then when you stop and like compare it to what you've, you may have been used to, you're like, Oh, this is actually, it's actually quite important to yeah. have a player who does this. Yeah, it is. I think, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a pretty big development now that I, now that I consider it this very moment. Um, Musa gets a little knock on his foot, splitting some defenders in midfield, you know, just dribbling by people as he did all game. He looked a little shaken up, but he continued. I guess he he was okay. Um, and he does, I mean, you know, by rationale B from Berhalter, he does need the minutes because he's not he's not getting them at club. Whereas Balogun, you know, he, he needs his minutes limited because he's not getting them at club yet. Um Kromoski comes on for Tillman and Mackenzie comes on for Richards in the 71st minute. I thought Kromoski was kind of messy at first, but he did he did settle in, as we'll see. Uh, 72nd minute, Dest gets the shot on the counter after an Oman corner kick and Horvath throws it out for Wea. Um, Wea plays Dest into zone 14 and he takes a shot and just drags it way wide. It was kind of it's kind of goofy the way he shot that. But don't don't undersell the Horvath technique here for the for the not roll but not throw. Right, he he like fast pitch softballed it out to out to Wea. I was gonna say he's like a like a really drunk bowler, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you're when throw it halfway down high lane. school kids on the bowling bowling lane next to you, and they're doing all this mad stuff. That was that was Horvath here. No, it was it was effective. It was. Uh, let's see. Jones comes on for Dest in the 76th minute, and then we get the peppy goal. It's a uh, it's a. Uh, Wea, who's still in the game, just kind of, just kind of rabble rousing over there, and he uh, <laughs> he, he picks it up and uh, hits a sweet diagonal over to uh, over to Jones, um, Dewan Jones. Jones uh, Jones plays a, a lovely cutback, reminiscent of the Denzel Dumfries dagger at the World Cup, and um, not quite as good, but uh, Kromoski, uh leaves it and it travels over to Pepe at the top of the box. He takes a touch and hits it pretty well, low and hard to the goalkeeper's right. Goalkeeper gets a finger to it, but 
All he can do is uh, push it into the side netting on the inside of the goal. So that's uh, 3-0, and Pepe gets his ninth career U.S. Men's National Team goal. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this a bit and just keep doing it every time. He's uh, that puts him tied for 28th all time in the USMNT goal scoring list. Bells, I I can't wait for the day that you say that that ties him for first all time with Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey. Oh, uh, that's gonna be a special day. Um, it is. Yeah, I mean this this is solid technique from from Pepe to to create the shot this quickly. His body's moving away from the goal. He doesn't have the momentum, so it's a good swivel hit. Uh, um, and yeah, Pepe just keeps delivering. Like, uh, come off the bench, score a goal is a good way to stay in the roster, I think. Yeah. And he, and he got that other, you know, he got on the end of that other chance. I mean, uh, I don't know what the underlying numbers are for him in these two games, but it seems like they were decent in this game. Um, especially with the XA he gets for his, uh, oh, yeah. his setup of West that comes coming up here. Then Paredes comes on for Wea. Um, I do wonder how hard it is for these guys, these young guys on the periphery of the national team to come in and get, you know, they get their like 15 minutes or in his, in Paredes's case, I think it was 13 minutes uh, at the end of a game to do something. It's got to be pretty nerve wracking. And it looked like both Kromoski and Paredes were uh, pretty nervous, um, especially because there's so many people on the field who are not in that situation. They're like totally established. Right. So I'm, I'm going to give both of them a lot of grace. I mean, Kromoski doesn't need that much grace because he did some good stuff as the game went on, but um, Paredes just looked like he was, uh, he wasn't ready for the moment to me. I mean, he did, he did help create a goal. So <laughs> there's that, but it's like we, he was just getting thrown to the ground. Yeah. It's, you see it a lot for, for guys coming in on their debut. I mean, I, the, the classic example for me is Julian Green's debut against Mexico way back in 2014 where it looks like they're playing on ice a little bit and everything's a little slippery and they're just, uh, you know, they're, they're overreaching and sacrificing balance and uh, maybe thinking about things a little too much. Um, And again, if, if this is what you do on your debut and still manage to set up an own goal, like you'll take it. Right. It's almost like we got to give these guys some elbow pads when they go out there for their, for their 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 first tap. Yeah. Reminds me of my uh, broom ball debut. You know, I still have some <laughs> shards of bone in my elbow floating around in there. Um, I mean, so, so the other thing to keep in mind, too, is is what a ask it was for Tanner Tessman against Uzbekistan. Because he didn't come in to just be like, OK, maybe try something every once in a while. He comes in and it's like, OK, every single thing will go through you for the next right. 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, by comparison, Tanner Tessman looked like a seasoned vet, you know. And, and, um, you know, when it comes to like professional minutes, that means something for your club. He's, he is a seasoned vet compared to Kevin Paredes. Um, anyway, Paredes is, uh, he's still got, got a lot of potential and I'm excited to track his career, but it, it didn't seem, it wasn't a huge success for him. He did, like we said, cause the own goal. He helped cause the own goal in the 81st minute. Um, there's a, a, a switch to Jones. Jones finds Jones, who seemed to be willing, very willing to soccer in this game, finds Kramoski in the half space. Kramoski kind of hesitates on the ball and then just plays a lovely little weighted through ball inside the outside back for Paredes to run onto. And Paredes hits a good right-footed cross. I mean, it's a it's a nicely placed and well-hit low ball at the edge of the six with his weak foot. 
So after all the criticism I just leveled against him, this is he did do this very good thing. Uh, Pepe's arriving on it, um, and the defender, number 16, uh, slides to cut it out and just pokes it home. 4-0. Yeah, so you, you, it's, it's, nice, it's fun to imagine that if the defender leaves that for fear of the own goal, then Pepe gets to add even more underlying numbers. Uh, that's, how, that's how I'm choosing to interpret it rather than just saying own goal. Uh, and then uh, even sticking with Pepe, there was another moment where Brendo probably could have squared it to him for, for a look that we didn't. So uh, Pepe getting in a lot of good spots in his 45 minutes against, again, Owan. The just to be clear, the defender number sixteen is Albraiki, the right center back. He's the one who scored that fourth goal. Um, and then in the eighty-fifth minute, Pepe does another thing that's really good. Maybe his best thing he did in the game. He uh, he receives a pass from again from Jones at the edge of the box. Takes two takes two kind of long touches, but they they eliminate two defenders. The first one by. Uh, I, did he kind of Cruyff touch it away from himself? I think so. Um, and then, so that kind of leaves the the guy on his back behind, and then he gets to the ball before the left back can and pokes it past him in behind into the box, and then just makes the absolutely correct decision to play a soft cutback for Wes arriving totally unmarked in the box, and Wes McKinney cannot get his feet and timing right on this ball and um, just scuffs it from roughly the penalty marker drags it wide and, and rude the day that it happened is immediately. Yeah. Wes knows. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic from Pepe. Uh, again, this is when you're playing an opponent that you have outmatched uh, late in the game that they're going to tire before we do, we bring in stronger subs than they do. Um, this is what I want Pepe to be feasting on uh, for the next cycle right uh and and you know again god willing like making it a full-on discussion of who's who's the striker that's that's what we want to be happening in all of these positions so um pepe absolutely doing his part here and then it's just gonna be a matter of uh going back going back to holland and and maybe hopefully making some of those uh asking some of those same questions of one luke de Jong. yeah yep yep I, uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm hopeful that he'll just get, he'll get to get some league minutes as Champions League gets going. And, um, you know, PSV heads to Arsenal this Wednesday, right? Heads up to London. So there's going to be hopefully, uh, some rotation needed and he'll get plenty of minutes. That's it. I, that's it for me. Anything else from you? I don't think so. I, I mean, uh, we're gonna wind, we're gonna do, we're gonna do a little more you know maybe analysis tomorrow, um, of what we take away from this camp. But we gotta we gotta save it for paying subscribers, man. <laughs> Come on. All right, thank you, Greg. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you.